This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, ready to preview the Pac 12 now. Quarterback. How about the Pac 12? These returning quarterbacks, productive quarterbacks that have been around, some transfers that have uh, that have landed in the Pac 12 or back for another year. Guys like, I mean, Caleb Williams, of course, the Heisman Trophy came over, wins the Heisman at USC from Oklahoma. Bo Nix from you know, a legacy uh, at Auburn, thrown right into the mix as a starter immediately uh, on the Plains. But he goes to Oregon. He comes back for another year. Michael Penix, the reunion with Kalen DeBoer, was a huge hit for the Washington Huskies. They finished top 10, 11-2, with that bowl win over Texas. And Cam Rising is even coming back. My goodness, how, how much eligibility does he have left for, oh, yeah, that team that is uh, – uh, back-to-back defending Pac-12 champions uh, with the Utah Utes. And, of course, when he went down in that 14-14 game, that allowed Penn State to pull away uh, in that Rose Bowl. But kind of the year of the quarterback, guys, I mean, some really big-time quarterbacks, experienced, productive quarterbacks coming back for the Big 12 in his 2023 season. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like going out with a bang because uh, this is the, the 12 now, 9, 8, whatever it's going to be. Um, yeah. But uh, enjoy it while we can. But uh, the defending Heisman winner. So Caleb Williams, a lot of people think he has he has a chance to do what hasn't been done since Archie Griffin did it almost 50 years ago, back-to-back. And he certainly has a system. I mean, Lincoln Riley, not bad percentage for Heisman winners under his watch. He had a couple at Oklahoma and another last year. So, yeah, Williams is there. But all up and down the league, I mean, I mean, there's some others, too. Uh, Drew Pine, Notre Dame last year. Now he's down there at uh, Arizona State, so he's there. And how about uh, Dion coming in? And his son looks like he's going to be a quarterback there. So there's some excitement for the first time in Boulder before they hightail it off back to the Big 12 next year. So, yeah, it's it's very, very good, and I can't wait to talk about some of these teams. Uh, it's going to be an exciting last year of the Pac-12. I don't know what it looks like after this year, but this fall should be exciting. And, Paul, that's a million-dollar question, and you know uh, very well uh, in uh, in Big 12 country uh, with uh, Texas and Oklahoma is that this Lincoln-Riley defense, I mean, you know, he, he produces, you know, Heisman Trophy winners left and right, left and right, but, it, you know, their lack of physicality with their offensive game hurts maybe their defense. And those games, a Pac-12 championship game against Utah and the Cotton Bowl against Tulane, I challenge you to find poor tackling in the country in any game. I mean, it was that poor, and he's he's added some transfers, and they're trying to get over the hump. But until they show that they can, you know, get into a playoff or get into a bigger game against a bigger opponent and just match physically on the defensive side is a million-dollar question. Yeah, I mean, there, there's no question defense uh, was, was their problem last year. Uh, but on paper, you know, this this is a improved USC team without question in my mind. The schedule's 
fairly favorable. It ranks uh, 50th nationally. They have the road trips to Notre Dame and Oregon, uh, both losable games. Line's going to be under three points in both of those games. On the positive side, they do tr- draw both Utah and Washington at home uh, during the second half of the season. But they figure, other than those games, uh, they figure to be double-digit favorites in eight of their 12 games. Uh, and as you said, I mean, everyone knows about Heisman Trophy winning quarterback uh, Caleb uh, Williams and the embarrassment of riches there uh, on that offensive side of the football. They scored 41 or more points in 10 of their 14 games last year. Once again, clearly going to be among the uh, nation's very best offenses. But I think the Trojans are going to be improved, maybe considerably improved on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they made some, again, some significant additions through the transfer portal. Uh, They had linebacker Mason Cobb from Oklahoma State. He led the Cowboys last year with 96 tackles. Nose tackle Bear Alexander, a guy out of the state of Texas, a five-star recruit who contributed last year uh, as a true freshman at the University of Georgia. They had those two guys add uh, some of Arizona's uh, best players to their defense. They gave up 29 points per game last year. I think they're going to give up closer to 24 this year. I think they're a legitimate uh, contender to make the four-team playoff. And I like uh, USC to go over the total of nine and a half there at uh, Bet Rivers, heavily juiced at minus 182. Yeah, they all want to get on Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator, but I've seen defensive coordinators over time uh, just have have a little bit of a roller coaster ride based on their personnel. I mean, based on that talent that they have. I mean, to me, defense is 90% uh, you know, talent, and they are bringing in some reinforcements. And keep in mind, there was a patch. You're, you're, you're a first-year coach in a high-expectation, high-resource program. That first year is a duct-tape roster effort. I mean, it is tough to take over, get hired deep into the season or recruiting process or maybe even after it, and it's just tough. And so I would give Lincoln Riley a pass, but I've seen his teams, you know, now we're doing the big stage. Now, you talked about the Utah game, too. To me, there's no bigger fluctuation home and away than the Utah Utes. I mean, they, they are much better at home. And keep in mind, that game last year, 43-42, USC had the game won. They had it won, and uh, Utah scores and goes for two uh, very late with the Cameron Rising uh, keeper. So they got that at home. But, yeah, USC, Bruce, has got all the, all the, uh, all the tools maybe here to make a run. So um, <clears throat> Paul likes uh, over nine and a half. It's a big shade to the over of minus 182. But let's get to this, the, the team that's picked to finish runner-up uh, in the Pac-12, and that's Oregon because we've got a double-barrel shot by both of you guys in this one because you ain't buying it. Uh, Bros, uh, first you, but both you and Paul uh, like Oregon to go under their nine-and-a-half win total. Yeah, I mean, I thought down the stretch last year when, when this thing really, uh, the rubber had to hit the road for them in November. Um, the way they blew that game at home to the Huskies and the way they really blew that game in what they used to call the Civil War against Oregon State, um, I mean, that was a real uh, pockmark on these guys, and it looked like they were going to be in the uh, Pac-12 championship game. It was a, they did beat Utah really close uh, between those two. But that was like a real uh, warning shot for me that maybe, you know, they're not quite there. Uh, and uh, this year, the schedule, I mean, they get USC on the schedule this year. They didn't a year ago. Bo Nix, I will say this. I was I was not sold on Bo Nix coming out of Auburn. I thought his he hit his high watermark actually against Oregon, his very first game a few years ago. Uh, but 
and, and last year, and I give Kenny Dillingham a lot of credit uh, for straightening Knicks out and making him a real playmaker last year. But uh, Dillingham has left. He's now at Arizona State as a head coach. So will he miss Will he miss Dillingham? I'm not sure. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm just not convinced I saw them also get ground into the into the uh, into the artificial turf at Mercedes-Benz against uh, Georgia in the opener. Not that it's a shame to lose to Georgia, but there was a really big gap between Oregon and them, and they won another. Co- they won a couple of other close games last year. Um, I am not uh, sure. Um, last year uh, they got to ten wins only because they won the, the bowl game there. Little dicey, I think, for them to get over. They're going to have to beat Texas Tech in the second game, which is a real banana peel. They got to go down to Lubbock. Tyler Schuff, quarterback at Texas Tech against his old team. I'm not sure Oregon gets by that one. I'm, I'm just not sure they're elite uh, at the level of some of the other top uh, tier programs in the country. And I'm not sure Nix is going to be able to do it again without Dillingham there. So uh, to get to 10 wins, I think is asking a lot. And uh, I'm looking under. Paul, I know you've uh, kind of circled that trip to Lubbock early in the season as a, a, a tricky spot as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, talking about Bo Nix, I mean, he came to uh, Oregon, obviously, to follow his offensive coordinator, Kenny Dillingham, to, to Eugene uh, Dillingham, now the new head coach at Arizona State. But that is a tricky game in week two uh, uh, against Texas Tech there in Lubbock. Uh, they lose this an Oregon team that loses four starting offensive linemen. They lose talented players on defense at all three levels, uh, including the 17th pick in the draft. Their cornerback, shutdown cornerback Christian Gonzalez. So those are some, uh, you know, some big losses. They go into the portal, you know, quite heavily, but it always remains to be seen in my mind whether the new faces collectively are better than the old ones. Uh, certainly, Nick's. I mean, he's a guy who's who's played some. Some great football, and his best season was last year for sure. He's had more than had more than four thousand total yards offense his first season there in uh, Eugene. Uh, but as we said, they've got to win ten games in the regular season to go over this total. And this schedule is is far from friendly. Uh, the the game at Texas Tech, I think they're now in some game of the year markets a three and a half point favorite. I actually took Texas Tech plus four, and those South Plains can be dicey. And Joey McGuire's got that program rolling. I don't know that Oregon fully respects what they're walking into. I think Texas Tech's going to beat Oregon in week two, going to pull the mild upset. And then on top of that, they've got to go to Washington, got to go to Utah. Uh, They do host Southern Cal and Oregon State at Alton, but those are some two really good uh, programs there. So that's that's a tough ask. On defense, that's really where their problem is. They gave up 28.5 points per game last year against FBS opponents. They did play a lot of passing teams, so this is not really comparing apples to apples, but they gave up over 270 yards through the air last year to rank 110th nationally in pass defense. So they need to get a little bit better there, and they're going to have to get better without Gonzalez. So I just think that I think this is a, a nine and three football team, I think would be a really good regular season. So I like Oregon. Uh, like Bruce to go under nine and a half at minus one and a quarter there at Bet Rivers. And 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 the other thing I wanted to see because Dan Landing was talking that game as far as you know trying to be more of a line of scrimmage team and things like that you know being more physical up front. Well, that it's not a light switch. I mean, you just don't you don't come from Georgia's you know uh, talent up front and you know, go to Eugene and just okay we're going to do that. They tried it seemed at times with 
you know, ma, uh, minimal uh, success. They, they are what they are. And let's face it, Bo Nix, uh, it's, uh, the defenses are a little bit easier to navigate in the Pac-12 than the uh, SEC. But I agree with you, Paul. 10-2, and two, that's a lofty number for a tricky spot in Texas Tech. And three other games, are gonna be, they're going to be underdog in, you know, at home in UC, USC and trips to Salt Lake City uh, and um, – Salt Lake City in Seattle. Speaking of Seattle, uh, Bruce, um, we talk about this um, this Michael Penix. The Michael Penix, Kalen DeBoer reunion, a huge hit. 357 yards a game. How about that? 31 TDs and eight interceptions. 11 and two, number eight finish. And the two losses, their defense gave up 40 and 45 points. They didn't help them a whole lot in those two losses. The other stat that I really like because Penix is one of those dual threat guys. He only rushed it three times a game, just under three times a game. So that's scrambles, that's design run, that's very little. He's committed to the pocket. He's committed to throwing the ball in rhythm uh, for DeBoer. He's very comfortable uh, in his system. He's as good as anybody. The win totals at nine, Bruce, and you are you're bullish uh, on these Huskies this year. Absolutely bullish. And you mentioned those two those two hiccups they had back to back games: UCLA, Arizona State, and some weird things happened in that Arizona State game too, uh, and the UCLA game as well. But the other games last year, they allowed just a little over twenty two points per game. So I, I think the defense is okay. But make no mistake. And I, I firmly believe this, and I'm right. This was the best team in the Pac-12 last year. N- never mind they won in the Pac-12 title game. It was just a tiebreaker quirk that Utah got in there instead of them, just the way the schedule worked out. These guys went into Eugene last year and beat Oregon. This was the best team in the Pac-12 last year. And their bowl game uh, went in, I mean, enemy territory in San Antonio on the Alamo Bowl against Texas beat the Longhorns. Uh, that is pretty impressive, better than what uh, uh, any of the other Pac-12 teams did in the postseason. The Penix thing, I mean, you talk about a great reunion with DeBoer because he had him for a year when he was back at Indiana. And you talk about flourishing last year. Over um, over 4,600 yards uh, passing, 31 TD passes. He just made almost every correct read, and this is DeBoer's coaching. Remember, I mean, Jake Hayner was not – regarded as an NFL quarterback at Fresno before DeBoer got there. And all of a sudden, he coached Hainer up. Did the same thing last year with Penix. They have balance. I like a couple of the transfer running backs coming in. 2,000-yard receivers coming back from last year as well. A little bit of an adjustment on the offensive line, but they think they're going to be fine there. And like I said, the defense picked it up very nicely after those hiccups against the Bruins and Sun Devils uh, late September and early October. Um, they're not going to sneak up on anybody uh, this fall, though. Uh, and there, there are two games I'm sort of looking at here. I'm kind of curious, the, the Michigan State game, they, that, that sort of heralded their arrival last year in September. They've got to go back to East Lansing in mid-September. If they're going to clear this win number, they can't lose that game. Uh, but I think uh, they will survive it. And, um, and then Oregon, which has to come up uh, October 14th uh, to try to avenge that loss last year at home. USC is on the schedule too this year. So kind of interesting. I think this is the best team in the Pac-12. I think this team is the best bet in the league to get to the Final Four. I like DeBoer. Uh, and by the way, he cost Washington about half, I think uh, less than half, than what SC paid to get Lincoln Riley. This is Bart. You can still find a bargain shopping for coaches in college football. Washington found one. This is an over. This is the best team in the Pac-12 like it was last year. 
should be favored in 11 of their 12 games. I know what they're projected at right now. Just the trip to the Coliseum to play USC is the only one. I've got them uh, underdogs in right now. Uh, Paul, moving on to a couple of teams. Now, you don't have an opinion on these, but just uh, shed some light maybe on what you think about their team this year. Utah is at eight and a half back-to-back conference championships, fourth choice at plus 550 to win the Pac-12 this year. Cam Rising is back again. This time last year, I thought this was maybe uh, Whittingham's best roster. He's got his starting quarterback and 16 starters uh, back. So maybe it's this year, kind of a funky game in Gainesville last year. Uh, to start tough when he threw that interception, that early down interception inside the five-yard line when they were about to kind of win it at the end. They do play the top three, USC, Oregon, and Washington. Play them all uh, this year. So Utah is at eight and a half. And then UCLA, life at, uh, finally quarterback. It's not around anymore. Don, uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is finally gone. Chip Kelly, after three losing seasons, has won eight and nine games the last couple of years. So maybe taking a little bit longer than people expected. But he has uh, got them uh, winning. Nine returning starters on defense. They don't play Oregon and Washington. Utah and UCLA both went to was at eight and a half. Yeah, I mean, this Utah team, I mean, we talked about in an earlier conference uh, preview of the ACC, we talked about Pat Norduzzi at Pitt doing more with less. And certainly Kyle Winningham uh, is a coach at Utah who falls into that exact same category. And heading into the season, they, they opened their season on Thursday, uh, August 31st against Florida at home this time. And the availability of Cam Rising in reading the story seems to be at least a little bit of a concern. Sounds like he might not be ready for the start of camp. So you have to wonder, is he going to be sharp? Uh, is he even going to play? So that certainly is an issue uh, that merits watching, uh, you know, watching there. Uh, but uh, you talked about the schedule as well, so I won't touch on that. But you look at Whittingham, his coaching acumen. Since 2014, the Utes, 13-2 and two is an away underdog. So in their last 15, when cast as the road underdog, they've got the money 13 times. They've also won 18 of their last 21 uh, Pac-12 games straight up. So they're 18 and three in their last 21 games there in the Pac-12. So that's quite impressive and speaks to Whittingham's uh, coaching uh, ability there. But again, the health of Cam Rising uh, really is something I think to watch at this point. Looking at UCLA, I mean, you look at their offense under Dorian Thompson-Robinson, uh, the quarterback from Las Vegas, five years uh, he leaves as I think the number three or actually the all-time leader in, in total offense, over 12,500 total yards. The last three years with DTR as their quarterback, they averaged 35 or more points in each of those three seasons. Their quarterback this year, whether it be Ethan Garbers, whether it be Kent State transfer Colin Schley, or their true freshman uh, that they're really looking forward to, Dante Moore, they're not going to match DTR's productivity. That offense is going to be down. They also lose Zach Charbonnet, a guy who rushed for almost 1,400 yards. They lose Jake Bobo, their top receiver. We just go on and on. Their top returning receiver only had 24 catches last year. So the schedule is kind of the thing that, that keeps me uh, from playing UCLA under. But uh, they averaged 35 points a game last year. I think they're averaging closer to 30, maybe even in the high 20s this year. So uh, I think UCLA is going to be slightly down this season. Interesting, interesting. Let's continue. The next uh, win total is at eight. That's Oregon State. Um, 
when when Jonathan Smith uh, took over, this may have been the toughest Power Five assignment in all of college football uh, five years ago. There were seven and twenty nine to three years before he took over, and he has his first ten win season since he was the quarterback back when they routed that uh, Notre Dame team in the Fiesta Bowl, uh, beat them like a drum. The running back is legit. Martinez, he's really, really good. And that's one thing they've done. He not doing it with smoke and mirrors, doing it with line of scrimmage. You know, they are a running team first, and that wild comeback against Oregon was legendary in the Civil War last year. But, Bruce, the Oregon State Beavers are at eight, and you're looking at the over. Yeah, I think this might be the best bet in the league. Um, and, and what Jonathan Smith has done there – and the fact he was quarterback there, I think it's keeping him rooted there. This is a great bargain for Oregon State, keeping this guy. Uh, we'll see what happens with the program down the road. I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon State shows up in the Mountain West in a couple of years, just when this Pac-12, how this falls out. But for right now, they're going pretty well. Uh, you know, one thing last year, I think they could have even been a little bit better last year. And they might have been able to beat USC in that game in late September, which they almost did. Uh, but... Chance Nolan, the quarterback, was dealing with a really sore shoulder early last year. He wasn't able to zip the ball downfield at all. And they had to make a change later when Gulbertson came in, sort of managing the games after that. And they still had a big, nice season last year. This year, I think that the one transfer, I think, in the whole country, uh, who really, I, I think the, the, the question mark is in the wild card out of the portal is DJ Ugalele. Now, he... It, we only saw glimpses of it at Clemson, just not quite that consistency there. Real glare in Death Valley. A lot of people think this is probably a better fit for him up at uh, Oregon State, a little bit out of the mainstream there. I mean, he was highly touted, of course, coming out of, out of high school down in the L.A. area, and he has had big-time competition before. If he gives them that upgrade at quarterback, uh, and the fact, like you say, Jimmy, they are committed to running the football pretty well. Martinez, they're talking about him in Steven Jackson-like terms up in Corvallis there. So this team can run the football. If DJ can throw it better than last year with Gilbertson and Nolan, I think Oregon State's got a shot to steal this league. And that means even Washington, they get the Huskies at home. That's going to be a game really watch late in the season. Uh, they close with a bang about that Washington-Oregon right at the end of the year. But I think they may have already cleared that eight wins uh, by that uh, point. This was the top defense in the Pac-12 last year. Trent Bray, the coordinator, they do have some replacing to do there. They do have some filling in. But Bray coaches these guys up. Fundamentally, they're very strong. Back to USC for a second. Uh, that's one of the complaints about Alex Grinch. Fundamentally, he's a recruiter. He doesn't really teach. Trent Bray teaches, and these guys tackle, and they lock up. And you saw what they did in the bowl game against Florida, which obviously had some opt-outs there, but they looked awfully, awfully good. The schedule's built for a serious challenge, uh, winnable non-conference games versus regional opposition. Pac-12 opener against Washington State at home, who they, uh, uh, they're, they're at Pullman, but they did beat Washington State pretty handily last year. Utah comes in late September. I think that's a very crucial game, which I think uh, at Corvallis this year, Oregon State can win. This is an over, especially if DJ comes in and does what we think he can and what they're hoping he can at Oregon State. I, I just love everything that's going on up there in Corvallis. They they could be favored. Uh, that uh, In Pullman at Washington State will be interesting what that point spread there is. It's going to be close to a pick em, But the other nine of the first ten, they're going to be favored. And yeah. I mean, and they and they've got some stability. I I trust Smith is going to not ask DJU to just okay spray. That running game is going to and they play action. They love using their tight ends, which are easy throws for the uh, for the quarterback. He's going to nurture him along. 
I think he's going to bring him along and and then maybe if he gets comfortable kind of you know broad you know expand things a little bit but it's going to be I mean he was so highly recruited and thought of that they were just ready to throw him in there like you know and it just it we saw it it was very ugly at times uh, at Clemson because he was supposed to be the next Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson, and he was nothing close to it. One but other note, 11-2 and two against the spread last year. Now, they'll be favored, like you said, in more games this year, but Smith has been a very good spread coach overachieving against the number throughout his career. There you go. Well, no no uh, introduction necessary for the Paul Stone's next pick. Have you heard anything about the Colorado Buffaloes program lately? So, <laughs> Dion, Coach Prime, he's going to bring some, the, the cameras and some attention. But, my goodness, well, Power 5 or group, group of five, has anybody had, uh, since the transfer portal has been around, a roster transformation like they've seen in Boulder, Colorado? Look, they needed to upgrade some talent. But, my goodness, uh, I think this is going to be some serious growing pains in Boulder this this year, and the uh, over-under is three and a half, shaded to the under at minus 177, and this is after it opened up a little bit, um, you know, a little bit higher than that, Paul. I know that you've been monitoring this uh, win total for Colorado, which, again, with uh, Coach Prime, you're going to get some reports out of some book, uh, sports books in Las Vegas that they're getting future bets on Colorado. So this is what you get when you get the, this type of attention. Um, Colorado alums, they, they just say, just give us a chance. We'll deal with Dion and tolerate, you know, just the pizzazz or the, the sizzle with the steak. But just give us a chance to get some guys. He may do it. I don't know. But it's going to be tough this year, huh, Paul? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, some Las Vegas sports books and, and offshore and other types of books are saying they've written more tickets on Colorado over three and a half uh, than any other side in the regular season win total. So a lot of people are buying the, the talking time. And we have talking time for eight seasons. And I'm not really a big fan of talking time. It doesn't really sway me uh, much. I guess I'm just an old curmudgeon at this point. But it's one thing to talk it up and, and to say we coming and I'm bringing my luggage and everybody's <laughs> leaving and all this. And I like it. I mean, it's good for college football. It's what gives it the, the pizzazz and what separates it, in my mind, from the NFL. So I like Dion. He's good for college football. And I think in time, it's going to be interesting to, to see what he does there. I just think it's going to be difficult in year one. I mean, when you come in with this type of roster transformation, and I understand the, the premise of uh, out with the old and in with the new, but not to basically retain any players and have the, the type of roster turnover that's unprecedented in recent college football history, maybe all time. I, I just think it's a, a, a tough, you know, recipe for, for success. He's gone into the portal, obviously, heavily. He's had to replace the players uh, that did not have their scholarships renewed and were – asked to look elsewhere, but a lot of these guys, they're power five guys who weren't playing where they were before, a lot of FCS guys, some Jackson State guys. Now, there's no question about it. Travis Hunter, he was the number one recruit in the entire nation in 2022, signed with Dion originally at Jackson State, follows him to Colorado, as did his son, the quarterback. So they've got, they got six or eight guys who can play with anybody. But I think you got to have about 35 to play Power 5 football, and I don't think they have nearly that many players on the roster. It is heavily juiced at minus 177 on the under three and a half. 
Um, but, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not about talking time. I'm about playing time. And I think they're going to have a tough go of it in the schedule. You know, the schedule is not an easy schedule. They've got to even, you know, the Pac-12 is better. And the teams that they're playing in non-conference uh, don't give them too many opportunities at any tap-in, so to speak. So uh, Colorado and Coach Prime in year one anyway, under three and a half at minus 177 there at Bet Rivers. Uh, at TCU, Nebraska, and Colorado State. So, yeah, I mean, uh, no no layups uh, in uh, in the non-conference schedule uh, as well. Uh, Bruce, anything you want to share with uh, Dion's Buffaloes this year? No, I, well, I, I'm right in there with, with Paul. I mean, one other, just a note, we, I mean, Jackson State, he was playing an FCS schedule with a lot of FBS players. He had a better roster than everybody he played. Now, you know, he's probably got a worse roster than everybody's going to play. So let's see how he does, how he how he responds to that sort of situation. This is really a test case for the for the portal in a massive using the portal to massively uh, rebuild your program real quick. Fraught with peril. They're moving to the Big 12 next year. And just in case Dion works out, and I'm not at all sure that that's going to happen. Uh, let's see if Colorado can keep him. Uh, and, I, and like I said, I think that's very much up in the air. But just in case he won, I don't think he's going to stick around there too much longer. We'll see how that works out. One other note, I mean, he's had some some physical stuff here, some uh, serious issues yeah. medically, and he hasn't been there in the summer. So uh, let's hope he feels better. He did have some good uh, staff hires, though. Sean Lewis, who's offensive coordinator, was head coach at, at uh, Kent State over several years. Charles Kelly, very respected defensive coach, had been with Nick Saban in Alabama. So I think he built his staff okay, but this is such a test case for everything and a desperate roll of the dice by the Buffs. Like Paul, I think uh, under is the way to look. All right, Washington State uh, quarterback Cameron Ward is back uh, with a whole new receiving core. Uh, they do have to replace both coordinators again. Win total for the Cougars is at six and a half. Cal with Justin Wilcox entering his seventh year, four and eight last year. Their win total is five. They were two and five in one score games. So if they can flip that, how about Auburn going to Berkeley in week two uh, as well? We need more of that in college football. And then Arizona return a lot on offense, not so much on defense. Their win total is four and a half. And then we get to Stanford down at two and a half. First year coach Troy Taylor takes over a three and nine team. Got the three tough ones uh, in uh, on the schedule in Conference USC, Oregon, and Washington, and and also uh, Stanford and Cal in in that Bay Area. Uh, you know, probably everybody had their different level of restrictions for COVID. This is about as tough for especially football, you know, football programs, their athletic program to overcome. They they they. They made it very tough over these days. See if they can get their head above water now that we're kind of getting a little more and more back to uh, normalcy as far as that's, that, that's concerned. Yeah, and I'll talk about those two Bay Area teams, first of all. By the way, I, I love the Auburn thing uh, at Cal. You talk about fishes out of water. I, I keep thinking a few years ago, remember when Ole Miss played at Berkeley and uh, our friend yes. Brett, uh, Brett Norsworthy is on the Ole Miss radio crew had to go to Berkeley. You should have heard his report card on walking around Berkeley uh, for when, <laughs> you know, Brett, um, and th that was a pretty funny thing. So uh, we'll see how Auburn handles that, but you're very right. There wasn't a program in the country that was hurt more by COVID restrictions than Cal. And I'm talking about basketball too. That wiped out Mark Fox. He got fired after last year. They had a lot of momentum 
uh, through 2019 with Justin Wilcox. They had won a bowl game against Illinois. Everything looked to be on the up and up there. And COVID, it was bad enough in the Pac-12. It hit Cal worse than anybody else in the Pac-12. And it continued to hit them. I mean, they had to close down their, their weight facility. The practice turned into a problem. And it went longer. It went into last year in Berkeley. In the middle of last year, people were still wearing masks there. So just living in Berkeley and dealing with all that was really an issue. They're finally beyond some of that now. The program, though, I thought was really damaged by all that. And let's not forget Wilcox, his star has fallen a little bit, but it wasn't long ago. I mean, he is an Oregon grad. He was a guy they contacted first when the job opened up after Cristobal left, and he didn't want to go. Uh, he still thinks he's got work to do at Cal. Um, I'm not sure he's on the hot seat yet, but, uh, you know, this is an important year for him to try to turn things around. His quarterback left last year. Uh, Plummer came in for a year. Now he's back with Jeff Brom at uh, Louisville. Jake Spavadol comes in, uh, progressive, uh, air raid type of an offense. Uh, had been the head coach uh, at Texas State uh, prior to that, uh, Dana Holgerson, disciple. Uh, Sam Jackson, five, comes in from TCU, where he was one of Sonny Dykes' quarterbacks and didn't get much of a look at all in Fort Worth, but they liked him down there. He's a pretty good dual threat. They like what he did in spring, and uh uh, they think he's going to be able to run this offense uh, fairly well. Jaden Ott is a running back who should probably be somewhere else other than Cal. He had 274 yards in one game against Arizona last year. So I, I think this offense might actually be uh, okay. Cal did drop defensively last year, and that was sort of the concern because that was what Wilcox hung his hat on before that. But uh, given his history there, I, I would expect Cal to be uh, at least representative on that side of the line of scrimmage. You mentioned those five losses there last year in one-score games, they went, did win a couple of those. But turn a couple of those around, and Cal might have been a, a bowl game, a bowl team last year. Um, I think Cal might be a little bit of a surprise, so I am looking over there. If you can find an over on Stanford, and I'm going to be way over my skis here uh, with Stanford, I would actually look over. I've seen where you can. Bet Rivers, I think, temporarily might have it down, but I've seen threes and two-and-a-halves out there a lot with Stanford. Last year, listen, I'm pretty close up there. I, I, I did Stanford's pregame show for 15 years um, with Larry Kruger until he left KMBR last year. So I didn't do it last year, but I've got a lot of people up there who uh, know what's going on with Stanford. And they thought at some point last year, David Shaw lost interest. Um, and you saw that by the end of the season. I don't think he was doing much coaching. I don't think his staff was. But it shouldn't have been that bad. I mean, this team did go into Notre Dame and win last year. The concept that he had of establishing the run game in recent years just didn't work. The running game, triple-digit ranked. And without that, to lean on Shaw's offenses were kind of lost. Troy Taylor comes in. Interesting. A Cal guy had been at Sacramento State uh, most recently. Very progressive offense. Uh, now, he, he, they lost an, an NFL quarterback. Tanner McKee drafted in the NFL. Davis Mills is a quarterback before that drafted into the NFL. And here's my thing. They've got... A lot of questions in the quarterback room. Transfer Lamson coming in from Syracuse. They think might be the guy. Patu, whatever it is, I've watched Stanford for almost 60 years, and they have really never been caught short at quarterback. Never. Um, and uh, I'm going to assume one of these guys in the Taylor offense is going to be able to do something. Uh, so I think just the change in coach, it's a very low win total. And the schedule gives them a chance at a couple of wins. Idaho and, interestingly, Sacramento State, Taylor's old team, comes to Palo Alto in mid-September. 
they could be more than halfway, two thirds of the way to getting it over by the time uh, before we get well before the end of September. Uh, so uh, Stanford, although we'll see how they adjust in the future. You know, they don't really play the nil game. They could if they wanted. They've got more money up there than what they know what to do with. Uh, but they're a little quirky about that. Nonetheless, they seem to be able, they bounce back after terrible seasons and coaching changes in the past. I could go down the list as far back as the 60s when uh, John Ralston got there. Taylor's going to be a short-term upgrade on, on Shaw. Whether he does what Shaw did long-term, I'm not sure. But if you can find a number on Stanford, I'd go over all right, Cal and Stanford, both the Bay Area teams over for Bruce Marshall. Uh, any of the teams we mentioned, Washington State, Cal, Arizona, Stanford, uh, Paul, through your research, uh, what, uh, anything that caught your attention? Well, you know, looking at Washington State, first of all, Cameron Ward, uh, their second-year starting quarterback from uh, near me in the greater Houston area, a guy who didn't get any FBS attention out of high school and signed with Incarnate Word and then followed his uh, – offensive coordinator there to Pullman. You know, looking at them, uh, you take away that Wisconsin victory last year, and they were outgained by about 150 yards or so in that game. Their five victories, other five victories versus FBS teams, those teams were a collective 18 and 42. None of them made a bowl game, and all of them finished at least two games under 500. So I have a little bit of concern uh, about Washington State. You know, Cal's going to be interesting. Defense has not been their problem uh, under Justin Wilcox. They've played sound defense most years. Bruce mentioned Sam Jackson, the transfer from TCU. There's no question he's a great athlete, but he hadn't played yet. Certainly needs a lot of polish uh, in the past game. The Golden Bears the last five years have only averaged 22.4 points per game. They're going to have to up that uh, if Justin Wilcox uh, is going to have uh, much longevity there and uh on stanford i'm you know not to 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 uh refute what mr marshall says because he knows his stuff but i'm probably not as bullish this season on stanford looking at the recruiting job though that troy taylor's doing they right now have about a top 10 top five class maybe in the class wow. of uh 2024 he is recruiting up a storm so uh, incredible uh, job of recruiting. He likes to play that fast-paced offense. Sacramento State averaged 78 plays per game last year. With the rule change, even if they play at the same pace, Stanford won't uh, – they won't average that many plays. But as Bruce and you both know, they play very slow in a run-dominated game. So this is going to be an about-face in terms of scheme. They don't have a, a quarterback who's played. Their two contenders have combined for – 31 uh, career passing attempts. Their offensive line, just about all of them left in the transfer portal. Uh, so I think it's going to be uh, going to take some time. But I think the future uh, could be favorable for Stanford, especially if uh, Coach Taylor can continue to uh, recruit at that level. Yeah, we will see. And a lot of times, I mean, you <laughs> when you make a coaching change, you want to fl uh, flip in style. And certainly, you know, going from conventional, huddle, you know, tight end, driv multiple tight end driven. That goes back to the Harbaugh days, you know, with the, uh, at Stanford. And now we're going to go up-tempo and speed, speed, speed. So we will see uh, how that works out. Be interesting uh, how those are very low, low total uh, in Palo Alto. All right, that's going to do it for our Pac-12 preview. Bunch of picks on the, uh, the win totals uh, from top to bottom from Bruce Marshall from the goal <laughs> – from Bruce Marshall from CBS Sports Line and VegasInsider.com. 
Follow Paul at Twitter, at Paul Stone Sports. You can check out all of his services. Uh, definitely uh, inquire about those. It does a tremendous job. And I'm Jimmy Ott here in the Sports Betters Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network.